Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Amanda Loudon. How you doing, Amanda? Hey, I'm okay. How about you? I'm I'm okay. Had a nice uh, UTI spring up out of sort of nowhere, but um, those are always fun. <laughs> Good times, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's we just scared away. I just, saw a friend, I just saw a friend today who said she just had one yesterday, and she's like, I can't think of the last time I had one. You know, oh so, my gosh, yeah. yeah. Um, and now we just I just scared away half the listeners by saying right, that from the right. outset. Certainly <laughs> any male listeners. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a few. There's a few beloved ones. Um, so uh, um, but, uh, let's switch to more, you know, G-rated perhaps topics. Uh, what articles are you working on? Um, I just turned one in um, yesterday to um, REI's co-op journal. I haven't written for them in a while. But um, looking at the crazy number of female ultra runners who are setting fastest known times, um, they're just, I mean, it's just been insane this year how many have dropped. And I mean, you might have seen that it was over the one weekend in November, um, something like three different women went out and did rim to rim to rim and, you know, Mm -hmm. dropped the time and just, it's it's insane. So, yeah. yeah, pretty exciting to to watch it happen. What and is there anything to attribute it to? Um, you know, I think that women are just kind of they're getting over maybe a little bit of the fear and intimidation mm-hmm. of it. Um, maybe that a few years back might have existed to an extent. I mean, not to say that women mm. aren't brave and you know, but um, also you know, I was I was talking to the guy who created the whole. Um, he coined the whole name fastest known time and he keeps all the records. And he was saying that, um, you know, those are very solo efforts, even if they're supported, they're still solo ish when you compare it to a race situation. And he thinks Mm -hmm. that females are social creatures. And Mm. so it just hasn't seemed that attractive to them until recently. And now once you get a few of them going, they're, they're all kind of intrigued and, um, Mm. You know, so I don't know. There, there's no real. You know, it's it's tough to say um, what. Although they... there's there's, I suspect there are some solo runners out there listening to this, shouting, "That's bogus, man!" I like know. I totally love being by myself, and and I don't need I a crowd around me. You know, so I, I, so, I totally and, agree. You know, don't I know. mansplain that to me, dude. <laughs> I know, I know, and I hesitated to include those comments even in the article for that reason because. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, it does sound a little bit. Mm, I'm not sexist, yeah. but well, well, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, yeah. And, le- and painting with a very broad brush stroke. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So. so, oh my goodness. Well, that reminds me, though, that we are having Katie Arnold on the podcast, most likely in March. And How fun. She, um, yeah. So, um, People might know her as a contributor to our third book, um, and for, and she writes a lot uh, for outdoor outside online. dot com. But uh, she also won Leadville one hundred last year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she is a mom of two girls. I believe they're school age now, and you know, she, Katie's in her forties. So. Awesome. Yeah, it. really. Yeah, so that's going to be a we're doing that as a podcast party down at the goo headquarters so i'm very excited for that oh yeah that'll be nice yeah yeah so well i have some news that i need to share that is um not not happy news and um with no further ado it is that miller our beloved cat um has died and um so sad it is so sad. And, you know, he was only six and he was such a good cat and so beloved by our neighbors as well as us. And he got very sick very suddenly and went very fast. And um, Alex actually um, was the, um, you know, really helped out because he was, it would happen right after we departed for Europe. And so Alex noticed that the cat basically hadn't moved since we'd left. And so he called Molly and he took miller in and there was nothing molly could do molly is a veterinarian not just hey have your running partner treat the cat um, right, she's a professional. Right, right. <laughs> 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 yes yes she is she does that for a living and um so it happened i mean he we left on sunday and she had to um put him to sleep on tuesday night so um, i think yeah, it's especially we, heartbreaking that you weren't here for it I know that Jack, my husband kept saying that, that he just was like, but the, you know, we couldn't say goodbye. And I was like, well, but we did say really deep goodbyes to the two animals. And Alex is nodding because he was there to see it. Um, when we <laughs> when we left, when we went to the airport, when Molly drove us to the airport, you know, we definitely, 
gave a lot of love to the animals right before we walked out the door. But it does, it did make it seem very unreal because, you know, I got the, I talked to Molly on um, Tuesday night, Amsterdam time. And oh, I was just crying, crying, crying. And so then thankfully we had our own hotel room so that we were separate from the kids. So we made a pact, Jack and I made a pact to not tell the kids until we got home. And um, also until after we opened presents from Santa, because obviously Santa visited the house while we were gone. And so we get back. So we, oh my gosh. So we left Athens at 6 a.m. Athens time, which meant we were up from 2.30 a.m. Athens time, which is, can I even do the math? I think that's 4.30 p.m. Portland time. So then by 1 p.m., on Sunday the 30th, we were opening the gifts from Santa, and then we just wanted the kids to chill for a while. And so when finally at 4.30, when we went to tell them, John, our son, had crawled into the guest bedroom bed and was sound asleep. And so oh, we no. told the we told the girls, and you know they were just heartbroken, devastated. And then the next morning... We told John and, oh, so awful. We um, got the girls, I got the girls together in the living room and called John in and John took one look at their face, my face, and he said, no, no, don't say it. If you don't say it, it won't be true. Oh, that breaks my heart. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So, so it was just, Molly doesn't know what it was, but his kidneys shut down and his, just his numbers with blood readings and stuff were just off the charts bad. So there really was nothing to be done. So, no, I'm um, so sorry. So, it's just so R.I.P. Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So anyway, so now Molly has almost talked me into when we do get a cat, not just getting one cat. I don't even think I've told Alex this, but getting a bonded <laughs> pair. Excellent. Um, yes. I like it. Yes. I like so it. I, so we might have two cats. Um, so, but we're going to give it, oh my gosh. And John said, can we get another cat? And I said, yeah. And I said, we're even thinking about getting two. And, and I said, but we need to give it some time. And he paused and he goes, can we get one this afternoon? <laughs> like, okay, that wasn't quite the amount of time I was talking about. An hour wasn't what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> 75 minutes, is that enough, Mom? <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so at least we're now able to laugh about it a little bit. So, um, so our guest today is pro runner and new mom, Neely Spence Gracie, recommended by our resident sports psychologist, Justin Ross. They are both Boulder residents and Neely is training Justin to run the Boston Marathon. So Neely is training to qualify for the 2020 Olympic Marathon trials. You might be familiar with Neely as she was the top American woman in the 2016 Boston Marathon, her first marathon, finishing ninth overall. And that same year, she finished eighth overall in the New York City Marathon. Neely's son, Athens, is just about six months old. Amanda and I look forward to talking with Neely after this short break. Stay with us. Welcome to the show, Neely. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So mother of a new one, just about six months. Uh, Tell us about your son, Athens, including the origin of his great name. I was on vacation in the city of Athens just uh, less than two weeks ago. Oh, so fun. We actually did a baby moon where we Uh went all over Europe, but Athens was one of our stops Uh and really enjoyed it. Um, Not so much the new city side of things, but we really loved the old city. Uh, Mm. And we also went sailing, which was cool. That was our first time sailing. Um, Uh Sort of a neat story. But yeah, my husband and I, um, we have had our baby names picked out for as long as I can remember. (laughs) (laughs) From your first date. Uh Yes, pretty much. (laughs) Um, We knew that we wanted to do Olympic cities. Oh, awesome. Athens was always our favorite. um, And it has a special meaning because it's not just, uh, you know, the first modern Olympic Games, but it's also the birthplace of the marathon. Sure. So it's sort of like a combination of two awesome things. So that's how we got his name. Uh, (laughs) And then his middle name is Spence, which is my maiden name. Um, Yeah. So we sort of kept family uh, name going. And Mm -hmm. then he was born July 29th of Mm -hmm. 2018. So Mm -hmm. yeah, at the time that we're recording right now, he's um, like five and a half months. Uh And it has been so much fun. Um, But I would say uh, 
the transition to going from pro running to pregnant was really hard. And that was oh, yeah. the most difficult part of everything. Oh yeah, we are going. We are going to ask you about that. Um, but I have to take a just a tiny side note. So then, can you share if there are if Athens has siblings? You have to tell us what other names are like London, Paris, Los Angeles. I mean, Lake Placid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, London and Paris are off the table for me. Uh-huh. Um, oh sure. My uh-huh. husband likes both of those, uh-huh. but I'm not. Um, I don't know. They're not in agreement. Uh-huh. What I feel is that Athens is very unique. Mm-hmm. And I feel like London and Paris are not necessarily unique names. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we'll look for something that's a little bit more unique. But um, at this point, we're planning on not having uh, any more kids until I, um, you know, get through sort of the peak years of my Mm -hmm. training and my career. Um, Mm -hmm. With having Athens, I had to take off um, six months while pregnant. And so Mm -hmm. um, while while trying to have running as my profession, it would be extremely difficult to have another year and a half to two years of um, taking time away from racing. So mm-hmm. I think that is, uh, the plan right now is that it'll be a little while until he gets a sibling, but we do at mm-hmm. some point want to have a second child. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you gracefully dodged answering my question about what, <laughs> what are the top name contenders, but you know, maybe you want to tell your family that first. So I respect that. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, Neely, I think you were kind of predestined to be a marathoner, and um, I, I would like to hear a little bit about your running background, and, and also I, I need to mention the fact that your father, Steve Spence, um, was a 92 Olympic marathoner, and that he was actually running Boston the day you were born. Is that correct? That is. Wow. Mm. So, yeah. So, tell us then. So, you know, like I said, you were predestined for this um, <laughs> for this career, <laughs> but um, fill us in on, on how you got started and, and kind of worked your way up. Yeah, of course. So, basically, I grew up in a running household. You know, I was born when my dad was running the Boston Marathon. He was in the Olympics when I was a year and a half. Um, and so, there... I guess I just sort of took it for granted growing up uh, that I was just always at the track or uh, always being involved um, in what was going on. And my mom's a runner also, not as competitive as my dad, but, you know, every day my parents would go running. And so I learned at a very young age how to ride a bike because I didn't want to get left at home anymore. I wanted to be a part of what everyone was doing. So I learned how to ride my bike um, beside my parents when I was three. Oh my, um, my I have twin sisters, and they were born when I was three and a half. So then my mom would push them in the double stroller, and I would bike along. And so every day, this was part of our routine. And sometimes we'd, you know, run to the park, and then I would play at the park, and my mom would do loops around um, and that sort of thing. So it just became like sort of a fun aspect of my life. And then in eighth grade is when I decided, you know what, actually, I want to run, I want to commit to this. um, And I want to see how good I can get. And I started um, running, I think I ran like a turkey trot after not running like, you know, that whole fall. And I decided, hey, I'm going to jump in, I'm going to run this turkey trot. Um, and it was really, really hard. And I remember I got a slide stitch and it was just like not super fun, but instead of it being, um, you know, like, Oh, running is terrible. Why do people run? I was like, okay, well, I want to be better next year when I run the turkey trot, I want to be faster and I wanted to feel easier. And so that was just my mentality from the beginning was like, okay, well, if it's hard, I just have to keep working and eventually it gets easier. And that is true. And so I um, started training and really saw a lot of success very quickly. Mm. Um, I went from running like 22 minutes in the 5K um, that fall to running 
um, 1740 um, that spring. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so it's amazing how a little work can go a long way. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just dedicate yourself to it. And once I saw that success and I received attention um, from running that performance, then it really took off uh, after that. And I just started setting bigger and bigger goals for myself. So that's sort of my story of how I got into running. Yeah, fantastic. Wow. And and so I know um, you had planned to run trials in 2012 and 2016, um, but but were not able to compete. Can you fill us in on what happened there? Well, the long story short is that <clears throat> um, I actually turned pro midway through my senior year of college, mm-hmm. and. In hindsight, I would say it's probably something that I regret, Um, but I was just at a point where I had eight national championships. Um, I went to a small Division II school, and I had, you know, just won cross country um, that fall, and my dad sat me down and was like, okay, look, like, we're approaching the Olympic trials, um, you know, in six months from now. And if you were trying to, um, you know, do an indoor track season an outdoor track season and then prolong the season into the trials, it's just going to be, uh, you know, a a lot of races for you, um, between now and then. And it's not really fair to your college teammates for you to not race, um, Mm. but still be a part of the team and only show up for like conference and nationals or something. Um, and my dad was my college coach, I guess I should say that. Um, and so, (laughs) um, basically I decided, all right, you know what, I'm going to turn pro. I'm going to take some time throughout the winter to decide, you know, on a contract, if I'm going to join a team, um, you know, talk to different coaches out there, connect with an agent and all of that. And I ended up um, continuing my cross country season because pro cross racing um, is actually a winter sport uh, across the world. So I ran um, for Team USA in um, race in Scotland in January and I broke my foot in the <gasps> race. Oh. And so, um, that was the beginning of my pro career was <laughs> me oh, in a boot for 12 weeks, oh, which was really unfortunate. Um, and then I ended up missing the Olympic trials that summer. Um, I was supposed to run the 5k, but the 5k has prelims. So you have to run a 5k and then one or two days later, you run the final in the 5K if you qualify out of your prelim. And I felt like my body was probably ready to handle one 5K, but probably not two, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. that it would it could set me back. So I ended up forgoing um, the 2012 Olympic trials, but I went to watch, and I was there and got to you know have that excitement and that um, drive to continue mm-hmm. working towards um, – you know, what my goal is of competing in the Olympic trials. So fast forward to 2016, um, I ran 109 in the half marathon um, at the Philly Rock and Roll in October. And partway through the race, um, did something to my foot again and Mm. (laughs) ended up in a boot again. And, um, I ended up missing 2016 Olympic trials um, for pretty much the same reason. Um, Ironically, it was the um, same bone, different foot. So, yeah, unfortunately, um, my feet have definitely been an issue for me um, with knocking me out of races like that. Uh, So... 2020, the goal is to make it to the starting line. That alone will be a huge uh, step forward for me. And then anything after that um, is obviously uh, exciting, um, but hopefully I can be competitive in the race as well. Very good. Awesome. Awesome. So, and are you, you know, so 2020, obviously a, a little bit of ways away. So what do you have on your racing docket for this year? I have no idea. I actually um, am 
going to be meeting up with my coach this month to chat about racing and, you know, not just the short-term races for this season, but what I want to look at um, Mm long-term, you know, this year, next year, the following year, and sort of have a five-year plan laid out, um, which I know will be flexible because, you know, the best-made plans always (laughs) uh, have changes (laughs) to them. But um, my my long-term approach is 2024. And Mm. if – you know, history has anything to say about it. Um, women marathoners peak in their mid to late thirties. Mm-hmm. And so I want to set myself up, um, to gain a lot of experience between now and 2024. And I view 2024 as my, um, my big year as the, the peak of my career. And so, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I've only done two marathons at this point, and I would like to at least do one marathon prior to uh, the Olympic trials in um, February of 2020, Mm -hmm. and then use that as an experience, um, get the most out of myself that I can for the 2020 trials, see where that has me at that phase, um, of, you know, my career and then build from there towards 2024. So mm-hmm. I sort of have like a very long-term approach, which is yeah, why I'd say so. mm-hmm. I, uh, pause to have a baby now because mm-hmm. I just didn't want to wait until 35 to have our first child because we definitely want to. And, I wanted to make sure that we weren't going to, um, you know, encounter extra challenges because it's stressful enough um, <laughs> getting yeah. pregnant and having a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. Um, and, you know, I feel very fortunate being on the other side of it that we had such a smooth um, pregnancy and a smooth delivery. And we have a, a great, happy little guy right now. And I know that's not everyone's story, but for me, um, I knew that having a family was and is a priority for me. And Mm -hmm. so that's why I took this pause to um, step away from my career for a little bit, um, have a baby. And then I felt like I would be able to be that much more focused and dedicated um, on the other end of it. Uh, as I do this like big push um, towards what I see as the pinnacle of um, my racing career um, mm-hmm. at, in 2024. And we can hear Athens yeah. cheering for you in the background. So Neely, let's start by talking about your pregnancy and life postpartum, and then we're going to have you put on your coach hat for us. Um, so, but, but mother runner first, um, in a blog post, and you already alluded to this already on the call, that um, you didn't run nearly as long into your pregnancy as you planned and um, that you had to stop before week 19 due to sciatic pain. Yes. Um, tell us about that and then you know what you did for fitness during your pregnancy because I think so many mother runners listening can relate to not running during their pregnancy or having a plan for running during pregnancy and then um, you know mother nature telling you that's not going to happen. Yes, of course. Well, my goal from the beginning was to make sure I just listened to my body. I ha- I never intended to run all the way through um, just because I felt like at some point it was going to become really unfun. And I didn't, I didn't want to force anything to happen. Um, I have been training at a high level, like I had mentioned earlier, since I was in eighth grade. And so this was almost a period of time where I didn't have any expectations on myself. I didn't have to, um, you know, run in the snow. I didn't have to suffer on the treadmill if I didn't want to. It was like a mental break for me um, to just train when I wanted to train and enjoy fitness um, as I, you know, wanted to work out and to not put like expectations and, or have like guilt or anything if I, if I skipped something. So that was my whole approach going in. Um, and I did plan to run 
uh, longer than what I was able to. I was hoping to make it until at least like the final trimester and I didn't even make it halfway. Um, so that was really unfortunate, but yeah, I had sciatica stuff and then I took two weeks off and by the time I got back into running, um, it was totally unfun because I had lost like so much fitness, like whatever I had fitness wise, um, at that point. And it was just, you know, I was getting bigger and bigger and, um, it just, I wasn't really happy running, um, super slow. I, for me, it just wasn't really fun to go out and, you know, wog. Um, and my husband was like, uh, your form looks so weird right now. Like it probably isn't good for you to be running. (laughs) Okay. Well, it feels weird and I don't feel normal. Um, so that was basically why I stopped. Um, and to be honest, I didn't do a ton Um, I would say I just sort of took the time to be like, quote, normal. Um, And if I felt the need to just sit on the couch and relax, uh, then that's what I would do. Um, I did bike with my husband for all of his runs up until like the day before I had Athens. I was on the bike with him every day. Um, And so that was really good because it was like. I have to say it's cute. It's like hearkening back to your days with your mom. When you yeah, were three and four. And it was just like it was. It's funny. I think my observation together every um, that we female runner you know, would get every day, and I still got outside and I still got on the trails and everything. Um, but it was just in a lower impact, um, you know, way of exercising. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I did some prenatal, um, like yoga, prenatal Pilates, uh, from time to time. And that was fun. Um, I have an elliptigo. And so if I felt ambitious, I would jump on the elliptigo on the trainer so that I wouldn't like crashing or anything. And, um, that was, that was nice just if I wanted to get in a sweat or something. Um, I met a ton of uh, neighbors and mom friends because I reached out, we have a neighborhood Facebook page and I reached out and I was like, does anyone want to like walk? And oh my gosh. Like, yeah, this is so fun. And so I would, I would meet up like a few days a week with some of my mom friends in the neighborhood and we would go for a walk and that was really nice. Um, so yeah, everything I did was just much more low key, low stress, um, you know, no expectations. I'd say that's probably the biggest lesson I learned um, in pregnancy is that you really don't have control over your own body anymore. And that mm-hmm. uh, every plan that you make has to be tentative because some days I would wake up and I would feel great and I would have lots of energy and I would be able to conquer the world. And other days I would do nothing. And just the thought of like, you know, trying to watch a TV show was like too exhausting. I would just like sit on the couch and look at my phone. I wouldn't read. I wouldn't watch TV. It was like, I just had to sit there and close my eyes and like let time pass. Um, Wow. And so that was something that surprised me because I'm very much like I can do a lot throughout the day. Um, I, when I'm training like full steam, um, I very rarely nap, um, which I know is something a lot of pros do, uh, is, you know, a lot of pro runners talk about how they have like their business meeting and it's their nap every afternoon they sleep for two hours. And like, I'm lucky if I lay down and like prop my legs up for 30 minutes and usually that doesn't even happen. Usually I'm like pretty, um, you know, one thing to the next throughout the day. So for me, um, in pregnancy, there were days where I would take like three naps in a day, which is unheard of. And (laughs) I like did not feel like myself at all. So, um, yeah, I would say that's like the number one thing I learned was, wow, um, the fatigue is real and you just have to let it happen and, you know, acknowledge it and your body's growing a human. And I guess that's really exhausting. So, um, training was, uh, very secondary for me. Um, and 
Yes. Um, well, I, I think that's a really awesome. mature attitude. I really respect that. And I, and I think a common thread with um, female runners, and, and I'm speaking for myself too, you know, is that um, you, we all go into our pregnancies with certain expectations. And like you said, it's out of our control and it doesn't necessarily pan out the way we expect. But um, how would you say pregnancy and, and motherhood have changed you mentally in regards to your running? Yeah, that was something. So the transition was really hard. Like I mentioned, um, I actually was injured. Um, I had some tendonitis stuff going into pregnancy. And that's why we ended up pausing um, to get pregnant at that point. And it was sort of like, you know, we'll give it a try. And I'll either run Boston in the spring if it doesn't happen, or I'll get pregnant. We'll have a baby this year. And that happened. Um, And so I was just getting back into decent running um, when I did get pregnant. And so I was, I think, running like around 60 miles a week, which my normal is like around 90. So I wasn't like all the way full training, but I was like starting to do some light workouts. Um, And the first like two weeks after I found out that I was pregnant, I was like, you know, I'll just do workouts at like 75% effort, just sort of see how I feel. Um, and they were really hard. Like I really struggled. Um, I just couldn't breathe is basically how I felt. And I felt that the whole pregnancy, like I would be laying in bed doing absolutely nothing. Be like, I can't breathe. Like I'm not getting oxygen. Um, So that was something that I had. And like, as soon as I had him, I was like, oh, I can take a deep breath. This is amazing. Like, <laughs> this is something that I used to take for granted in my life, but now I no longer do. Um, and so that transition was really hard. But once I stopped trying to do workouts, um, I backed off to running like 30 miles a week and um, And I actually was able to enjoy that until I stopped running. And then once I stopped running, that transition also wasn't that bad because um, I already was doing so much less than what I was used to. And I was just so tired that it felt good to not have to do anything, um, Mm -hmm. which again is very unlike me. So that was all very um, different. And that transition was better than what I had expected, but I think it was just because the body knows what you need. And, um, I have so much respect for people who can run through their pregnancy, um, and who do have that, like, you know, second win energy, the the second mm-hmm. trimester that people say is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I never got that. So I, um, I think that those transitions, like it really helped show that the body just sort of knows what it needs Mm. and Mm -hmm. just sort of listen and um, follow suit. And some people don't need nearly as much rest as others. And that's okay. Um, There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, And then the transition from um, uh, pregnancy back to running um, and to training has been uh, progressive, I would say. Um, but it's definitely slower than what I had wanted. Um, which I guess taking six months off of running (laughs) doesn't really help, um, either, you know, uh, but I, I had hoped to, um, be back and be feeling a little bit more normal and, Mm. I have glimmers of those uh, good old days, but it's still not 100% there um, yet. And I also, like you said, mentally, um, I've struggled with the mental focus to Mm. uh, rebuild that um, mentality that I had before I um, had Athens because before – running was all I had, you know, this is, this is what I did. It was my identity. Um, and now I have something that's so much more important to me and it's not, you know, I ha- I am focused when I'm running. It's the away from running time that I'm not as focused on my training and, um, you know, the, the little things, the details of training, like stretching, um, recovery, 
um, nutrition, those type of things, hydration. I used to be so good at drinking water um, all throughout the day. And now there's so many days where I like completely forget to drink and hydrate like for most of the day. And then it like hits me at night and I'm like, I'm so thirsty. Oh my gosh, I haven't had any water. Um, so little details like that, that um, I... I really have to start focusing on more um, and that transition, that mental focus back into um, what the lifestyle looks like um, to support and sustain training has Mm -hmm. been a little bit more challenging than what I had thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. So Neely, I'm curious if, you know, from those experiences that you've had about getting back into running, you know, kind of dealing with the juggling. I was, um, I don't want to say laughing, but I was chuckling along when you were saying about how you forget to drink during the day, because I remember when I had my first baby and I, I would think at like 11, I'd be like, Oh, I have to pee. And then two hours later, I'd be like, Oh, right. I haven't peed. Oh my gosh. I totally have to. And it's just these little things that can just, you know, you get consumed with this little new human being that you're responsible for and, and time goes by in a blur. So have you talked to either, um, other pro runners who are moms about how they juggle it, but also those moms that you walked with when you were pregnant. I mean, have you turned to them for been there, done that advice? Absolutely. I am so grateful for the amount of mom friends that I have. And I have a really good support system here uh, in Colorado where I live because um, I have several mom friends who were pro runners and have since, Mm. um, you know, taken time away to have a baby, have come back part of the way, have come back all the way, have chosen not to come back into training at all. Um, And so it's really neat to hear their different perspectives on things. And it's absolutely awesome because I feel like you said, I can ask them anything and they've been there, done that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel not so like weird and not normal. Um, I find that every time I talk about a concern, they're like, oh yeah, I remember that. Totally normal. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> Sounds about right. So that's been really helpful for me. Um, and I also think just, you know, when you have a baby, um, it can be pretty isolating um, mm-hmm. because all of a sudden it's like, you know, I, I run the same trail almost every day because Mm. it's right out my front door and I don't have time to drive other places and to try new, different, fun, exotic runs and stuff. Um, (laughs) I have, you know, an hour and 26 minutes to get in as much as I can. (laughs) And so I'm just going to make the most of it. Um, and so, that's been um, new for me because I used to be like, oh, you know, I would reach out to all my different running friends, be like, where do you want to meet? What time do you want to meet? I'll just show up. I can do whatever. Um, and that's not my story anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything is much more structured and it's all about squeezing things in um, when I can. And one of the things that uh, has been a really common theme that people keep asking me is, well, how do you balance everything? How do you balance yep. being a mom, um, being a pro runner, and being a coach? And my answer is I don't. I don't balance mm. it at all. Um, I used to think prior to having my baby that that was going to be like, what, you know, that's that's what you strive for. That's the goal as, you know, a parent is to balance your life, to give, you know, time for your kid, to have time for your career, to have time for your hobbies. Um, and I've learned that... Uh, Athens always comes first. Like I, I'm not able to ever fully separate, um, from him. However, Mm -hmm. I do have priorities. Um, and my priority is always my run. So that's the first thing that I always strive, um, to get in whenever I have, um, a babysitter or if I don't have a babysitter, how am I going to fit that in? Um, so my run is always my number one thing on my to-do list for the day. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've had to really back off of all the other things as, you know, 
those type of things used to be my priorities, going to the grocery store, um, <laughs> cleaning, making sure <laughs> laundry's folded. Um, mm-hmm. These things have all been like way pushed back. Um, <laughs> and so, and even things like core um, strength training, lifting, cross training, those are all bonuses. If I get them in, I'm really happy about it. Um, but some days it doesn't happen when I have the intention that, that it should. Mm. Um, and so I've had to be a little bit more flexible. Um, and that would, that's been my biggest thing is I have my priorities. Um, and so I, I get my run in, I haven't had to skip a run, um, I haven't had to cut a run short. Um, mm. I've been able to t- find time throughout the day to make my run happen. Um, mm-hmm. And then my coaching staff, fortunately, he's still napping quite a bit. So I'm able mm-hmm. to get in my coaching work um, throughout the day. But sometimes, um, you know, I only get through half a training plan or something. And then he wakes up and I have to like be organized enough to write a note to myself that I only got through half of this training plan. I need to go back and finish it to make sure things don't fall through the cracks. And so I ended up hiring my college teammate, um, and fellow pro runner, Katie Spratford. And, um, she has been helping me substantially, um, with making sure that, um, my, our, our athletes that we work with together now, um, have the attention that they need or getting their questions answered in a timely manner. Um, and then, you know, I make sure that they have all of their training written out and everything's there that they need. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so together we've been able to work, um, really well and make sure that they're getting the same or better, um, attention Mm -hmm. and care. Um, because you know, that's very important and it's, still, um, of utmost priority for me that my clients are, um, you know, feel supported as they work towards their goals. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's one way where I was able to make sure that they stayed a priority while, Mm -hmm. um, you know, recognizing where I'm at and that I don't have as much time as I did before and as much, um, you know, ability to put into, um, you know, all the things that I have on my plate. Another thing that I've done is I've hired a house cleaner and she comes Mm -hmm. um, twice a month and she does all the deep cleaning stuff. So I don't mind vacuuming or dusting or, um, you know, doing laundry in between, but it's been so helpful to have someone who like scrubs the bathtub and (laughs) uh, mops the floors and like the type of things that just are more time consuming. Um, So yeah, I've just been able to uh, over time learn that there are certain things that stress me out and what do I need to let go of? What can I change or adjust? um, And how do I prioritize things? Um, And so that's been uh, definitely the most challenging part of being a parent. Um, Mm. but I wouldn't say it's, uh, that I've balanced things. It's just Mm -hmm. that I've learned how to restructure things, Mm -hmm. um, to try and get the most out of each of my days. And, um, you know, recognizing that, Hey, like, you know, there was, uh, my friend has been babysitting for me. And so she comes Mm. over, um, each morning so I can get my run in and then, um, I get whatever gym stuff I can do. And then a little bit of coaching, um, until she heads out. And the one day Athens was teething and he literally just screamed the entire time she was there. And so I got in my run and Mm -hmm. I came back and I was midway through my core session and he's just screaming and screaming. And I'm like, you know what, this isn't worth it to me. Like it's, you know, I'm, I'm not okay with um, me continuing yeah. to just do my thing. I got my run in that that was my priority. And now it's time to be a mom. And so I canceled my coaching meetings. Um, I went upstairs and I held him and, uh, you know, I, I got him to fall asleep. I put him in his bed. I went downstairs five minutes later, he woke back up and I was like, okay, mm. well, you know, 
I told my friend, I was like, you can just head out. Like, you know, I think he just needs me today and that's okay. That's mm-hmm. where we're at. And I'll just try and get stuff done tomorrow. Um, and yeah. I was, I'm okay with that. Um, that's how I want things to be. Um, and I know there will be a time where I, you know, have to tell him, Hey, like you need to, um, let mom finish <laughs> what she's doing. But when yeah. he's, you know, four months old and teething, that's not the time. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. 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 Save, save those cards for when 2020 is a little closer on your exactly. horizon and, exactly. and maybe his, you know, it doesn't seem so overwhelming to him to have a tooth cutting through his little jaw, this little gums, but, I but I also, I too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it sounds to me also that, um, some of that is just kind of, um, a little bit of a paradigm shift in it. And I was really, um, intrigued by your, it sounds like just changing some of the words of it. And so using the word priority instead of, you know, balance and restructuring things. And sometimes it, it, it is half the battle is just thinking about how you can reframe what it is you're looking at and what's uh, demanding of your time and giving it different kind of classifications. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, I'm definitely not the first person to ever do this. I feel like most (laughs) moms who are listening probably 100% can relate and understand um, (laughs) that, you know, this is how things go. And I think I just never really, like, I've always been a baby person. I've always loved kids. Um, But I Mm. Once you have your own, there's like an entire shift in your life and you realize like how very um, unmeaningful so many other things are and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. how much more important uh, it is to just be there and be with your kid. And like you said, there's like hours and hours of the day that just fly by when I literally can say I've done nothing except, mm-hmm. um, you know, hold Athens, change him, um, you know, play with him, read a story like, uh, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't change that for anything. Um, even yeah. though it's not checking things off my to-do list, um, it's so important for both mm-hmm. of us. Um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, didn't have a kid to have someone else raise it. So mm-hmm. for me, I, I want him around. I want him, you know, with me during the day as much as possible. Um, and so at some point, you know, we'll look into, um, possibly like a daycare, um, you know, a school of some sort, but for right now, um, I just, I really enjoy having him around and I feel so fortunate that the career that I have, um, is not, uh, you know, a full-time, um, you know, eight to five job, um, that mm-hmm, I can be mm-hmm. flexible. And, you know, this morning, um, my husband worked from home. So we got to start our run together and Athens was in the stroller with us. And oh, nice. that's really fun to have those family times, um, that, you know, I, I wouldn't get if I had to be out the door, um, in yeah. the office. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm, as, as countless moms have said before, you know, treasure these times cause they just fly by. Yeah. My, uh, my firstborn turns 17 tomorrow. And I just hearing you talk about, you know, the, those early months with Athens, I just takes me right back and it seems like yesterday, but somehow, you know, <laughs> somehow she's one year away from being officially an adult. Um, so, um, okay. So let's switch, uh, into coach mode let's talk training. Um, on Instagram you wrote, and I love your Instagram feed. I, d- I did not see the question when you asked her questions for that. I love that. But, um, uh, I encourage people to, to follow your, your at Neely runs. Is that right? I'm at Neely S Gracie. That's it. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Um, Runs.com is my website. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so on Instagram, you wrote a little effort each day creates a routine, which allows for consistency and that's what yields results. So given that it's new years and folks might be trying to kickstart a routine, you know, reestablish one that they had, or maybe start one from scratch. Talk about the building blocks of making running a routine. Yeah. So I find for me, especially, um, you know, having this whole taking six months off, being well pregnant, and then getting back into running after, um, 
rebuilding fitness is really hard and just reestablishing that consistency of uh, lacing up your shoes, getting out the door is the most important part. And it's the hardest part Um, because when you first start, it's not very much fun. Um, And I, I know um, my first run back after having Athens, I did 10 times run one minute, walk one minute. And Mm -hmm. It was really demoralizing because I was like, I actually feel like I like got a workout out of that. Like it was actually sort of challenging. And I ran a total of 10 minutes with, um, you know, walk breaks in between. Um, and so that was really hard. But um, every other day I ran and every other day I would add an extra minute of running. So then the next time I ran two minutes, walked a minute. Then the next time I ran three minutes, walked a minute. And after a month, I was up to four miles, um, you know, all the way through. And I hit that point. Um, that was like what I considered a real run. Um, I actually felt like I, uh, you know, could, very easily have continued to run. Um, so it wasn't too overwhelming. Um, and I wasn't like, you know, killing myself to get through four miles. And so I think that the slow consistency, but seeing that progress, um, every run helped me so much because each, each run I was running further, um, than I had the run before. And so, Mm -hmm that's definitely like something that I recommend for people to do is to start off at um, less than what you're actually capable of. Don't Mm. try and just start at four miles. um, And when you haven't been running at all, because you're going to get about two miles in and you're going to be like, why did I do this? What was I thinking? This (laughs) is miserable. Don't let yourself get to that point. Um, Always end feeling like, Oh, I wish I could have done a little more. And if you Mm -hmm. do that, um, then it just changes that whole mentality um, and makes it a lot more fun and exciting and enjoyable. Um, so that's that's definitely my recommendation. You know, whether you're coming back from pregnancy or whether you're just trying to get back into training, back into some level of fitness, um, you know, start off really minimal uh, so that you can see that progress happen, and that will help keep you motivated. So I have to say, you must be incredibly. Um disciplined to to have it take you go take as a pro runner to take one month to get back up to running nonstop four miles by just adding that one minute. I mean, that, that is really, that is laudable that you were able to, to, you know, just put those restrictions on yourself. So that can be so hard, you know, like you say, you, you, you want to end feeling good, but you do feel good. So then sometimes the temptation is to keep going. Yeah. I think for me, um, I really didn't want to get injured again because I started Mm. off pregnancy, you know, dealing with that tendonitis issue. And so, um, I felt like I'd much rather run super conservative and, Mm -hmm. uh, not maximize myself and maximize my fitness building, um, Uh right off the bat, uh, and then potentially wind up like, uh, injuring myself again or having a setback or something. Um, Mm -hmm. so I really wanted to start ultra conservative. Um, but the other thing is there's really not a lot of information out there about coming back to running after pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, I had looked around, I talked to a bunch of people and everyone said something different. And Mm. I learned um, over the course of my uh, research of talking to people is that you just have to do what's right for you. You have to listen to your body because everyone had a different um, pregnancy too. Like if you were able to run all the way till you delivered, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you probably only ended up having to take like six 
weeks off total um, after you had your baby till you could run again, which is entirely different than having to take six months off. So I just looked at it as, okay, well, if I thought of pregnancy as the biggest injury of my life, um, which I've never taken six months off from running since I started running. So it basically was (laughs) like an injury. How would I rebuild from the biggest injury? Um, And that was you know, the approach that I came up with. Um, and I wouldn't say it would probably work for everyone because like you said, you do really have to be disciplined and, mm-hmm. um, it's really hard, uh, especially when you know you could do more, um, to not do more. But I, in, I, um, on the, the in-between days, so I was running every other day, and on the in-between days, I would get on the elliptigo, um, which is in my garage on a trainer, so it's basically like an elliptical machine, uh-huh. um, and that's where I would get my heart rate up, and that's where uh-huh. I would do a consistent effort. So I would do 30 minutes to an hour um, on the elliptigo, getting my heart rate up, doing little like fart licks on there. Um, and having that aerobic, you know, solid aerobic uh, time of 30 minutes oh, gotcha. an hour. And so I really think that that helped um, build up my endurance also. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also gained a lot more weight um, while pregnant than uh, what I would have preferred. But again, <laughs> I took that mental rest from the focus that mm-hmm. I've had um, while I've been, you know, you know, working on my training and my running goals. So I gained 45 pounds and I, I think that, uh, my transition back into running, my body was, you know, and is still not quite back, um, to what I'm used to, but I also wanted to make sure that I didn't rush, um, back up to, mileage because I knew that my joints and my ligaments and all of that are carrying a much heavier load than what they're used to. Um, and so I didn't want to cause an injury, um, because I had extra weight on, um, that was, you know, an additional stress on top of not having run much in the past six months. Mm, Well, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly being a coach, you yourself being a coach sounds you really were able to tap into that knowledge and experience and apply it to to yourself Uh, (laughs) (laughs) which you know sometimes is easier said than done um this time it worked really well for me there's definitely been times in the past where i'm like hmm so I would definitely tell my athlete to not run right now if, you know, they're sick <laughs> or something and they're not feeling well. But I really just need to go try to run and see if I can make it through, you know. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it's – that's one of the um, major things that I found being a coach is – it's a constant reminder to myself of mm. the things that I should do right um, uh-huh. that I I sometimes try to forget about um, if it's just me training. And so I really do. I feel like, um, you know, being a coach and working with my athletes uh, has helped me be a better runner uh, also. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nice, nice. So we know that probably a lot of people listening to this are just starting training for a spring marathon and, and quite possibly maybe their first marathon. So share a few pieces of um, coachly wisdom and personal wisdom uh, that you've, that you maybe have gained through your coaching or when you yourself trained for your first marathon, um, Boston, three years ago. Yeah. Uh, Well, I would say first off, um, the number one thing with the marathon is your aerobic system. So really developing, um, your ability to run, uh, comfortably for an extended amount of time. And that can be done in long runs. Um, you know, definitely trying to get like two to three hours, um, up to two to three hours of consistent running, uh, will be really essential for building that um, strength that you need for the marathon. Um, but the number one thing that I found with um, the athletes that I coach is that they all try to run uh, too fast mm-hmm. for easy days and, and for their long runs. And so um, 
slow down. It should be a conversational pace. It should be something that uh, doesn't feel too taxing. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's days to run hard. Um, absolutely. Those should be your workout days throughout the week. Um, but the way to build that aerobic uh, endurance is to make sure that you keep things very conversational. Um, mm-hmm. And in the long run, the goal, the biggest goal is to have time on feet. So mm-hmm. um, that would be something that I definitely recommend as you're working towards your spring marathon goals. And then also practicing your fueling and your fluid mm-hmm. intake. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the marathon, uh, the distance you, the body can't, um, at least not very successfully get through, um, that length of time, um, and distance, uh, without ingesting some carbs and some fluids. And so practicing that in training will Uh help make for a much more successful race experience for you. Um, So I like to practice on my long runs. Either I have someone bike with me or I carry fluids um, Uh or I'll set fluids out and I'll do loops. Um, And that has been really helpful. And it it doesn't um, just help the run itself go better, but it also helps your recovery from the run. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm assuming that that has changed a lot that, that, um, you know, once you become a mom, then you can't just come back and you, you know, put your feet up. I mean, you said at most you put your feet up for 30 minutes a day, but you know, the, any, any thought of binging on Netflix after a long run is gone out the door once you become a mom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is super true. Um, and I think the the part with that um, that has changed for me too is, you know, everyone always is like, oh, sleep when the baby sleeps, but that's my opportunity to work. So uh-huh. um, I, I guess I, in a way, it's almost been good because I have that time where I'm super efficient at getting things done. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I do sit down for some of that. Um, so I guess having uh, the coaching, maybe that's helping me uh, prop my feet up a little bit more than <laughs> um, what I would have done in the past. So maybe that's also like a, a time um, where I can uh, kill two birds with one stone and yeah, maximize, um, you know, work and rest, uh, simultaneously. Yep. yep. A, a laptop in the lap where, where yeah. it is intended to be. Yeah. So, um, so final question, I, I loved an analogy you made between pregnancy and running a marathon. You said you go through good and bad phases and you have no choice, but to keep going. Um, so, and I would add to that, it's like motherhood itself. Uh, so, so, uh, could you just discuss that for, uh, you know, uh, kind of the similarities between pregnancy and running a marathon or being, being a young mom in a marathon? Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, when I wrote that, I think I was pregnant, um, and, and I didn't really enjoy being pregnant that much. Um, Uh I thought I would. And so that was like one of those times where I was trying to think about like, all right, obviously the positive outcome, um, of having a baby is, making this very worth it, but I'm not really having a ton of fun where I'm at Mm -hmm. right now. And it reminded me of like, you know, the latter half of the marathon where you've run a long way, you still have a long way to go and you're not (laughs) having that much fun at that point (laughs) in the race. Um, So that was sort of like where my mind was thinking, but once you finish like you have that amazing accomplishment of successfully Mm -hmm. crossing the finish line, um, you know, of your marathon. And that's how I felt I would feel when I had my baby. So, uh, and then, yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree that, um, it is like motherhood. We definitely have some days where it's like, all right, I got this. Like (laughs) I've, I nailed everything I wanted to do today. Um, Athens and I spent a lot of time together. He was in a great mood. I was in a great mood. Um, Mm -hmm. like I got this mom thing down and then the (laughs) next day is just like a disaster. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, there's, 
you know, more things that go wrong than go right. And mm-hmm. he's cranky, I'm cranky, um, and we don't accomplish what we want to. And so that's just how it is. Um, yeah. And yeah, I totally, I think it's uh, part of the joy of um, of running and of parenting is you have to have the, the downs to have the ups. And so mm-hmm. um it really has made me uh, appreciate all of the good days. And I also really appreciate all my good runs uh, even that much more now because that time away from Athens is, uh, you know, becomes more meaningful uh, Mm -hmm. to me because I want to make sure that I'm maximizing what I'm doing during that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, those are all words that we need to, that's how we're going to end this. Cause that was, um, so, tr- so true. And, um, really, uh, you know, sometimes you need to step back to, to realize that. And I think it's an important lesson for people to remember. And so thank you so much, Neely, for sharing your time with us and, and taking some time away from Athens. So, Aww. yeah. So good luck. Good luck with all your training endeavors as well. I appreciate it. Yeah. My goal for this year is to qualify for the 2020 trials. So have, 11 and a half months until the race. Nice. Or 13 and a half months. Sorry. 13 and a half months. Yeah. So we will, we will be, we will all be cheering for you. So best of luck, Neely. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that, um, certainly brought me back and got me thinking forward. Okay. Now that the holidays are behind us and we've landed in 2019, it's time to register for our Cape Cod retreat. It is October 24 to 27. We are returning to Falmouth, Massachusetts. It's such a charming Cape Cod, quintessential Cape Cod town. We are staying at the very charming quaint Shoreway Acres Inn. Going to be taking part in the Cape Cod Half Marathon. And since we had a nor'easter last year, I know, uh, you know, 50 degree temps and uh, slightly overcast skies are awaiting us this year. Uh, We have new programming that will be on the docket and delicious meals, including a welcome reception with two types of paella and uh, karaoke. You might've heard about that. Um, I'm a very avid karaoke person. If you haven't heard, I'm already debating what will be the song that kicks it off. Um, So anyway, it's just going to be a ton, a ton of fun. It makes the mother runner experience just come to life with um, people that you get to meet on our uh, private Facebook page beforehand and then in real life and spend four days with us. So um, again, that's October 24 to 27 in Falmouth, Massachusetts. To find all the details and to register for it, head on over to motherrunnerstore.com and you'll find it on each of the category pages. Again, motherrunnerstore.com. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Thank you.